There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that'll get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. This is Top Flag Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I am so nifty to lady. So what? I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> everything's I'm buzzing. Kind of, everything's been building up to this, I think. We'd, we'd first discussed yeah. doing this probably, don't know, episode About two. About four years ago, I reckon. <laughs> probably when we were doing football. This is yeah. probably the thing that got us off football, thinking about this. And it, uh, yeah. we're, we're here, and it's the Turpin Odyssey. Oh yes, uh, part one, and we're looking. People at... talk about the Sopranos. People talk about the Wire, <laughs> yeah. Breaking Bad, yeah. The Simpsons, the great shows of our time. But for me, this stands above them all. I mean, you have watched these more recently than me because you've got the DVD box set, mm. and um, I haven't got around to watching it until this week before we did this. But I sat mm. down to watch this first episode, and it is i'm not exaggerating it is absolutely brilliant it's, it's brilliant it's i mean i got um a proustian rush when the end credits came up at the end mm. that feeling of being seven again which i was when this first came oh, out yeah. and just thinking that i'd just been on a, a 23 minute thrill ride and it was just <laughs> so exciting and so much fun and full of um swashbuckling and, and yeah. daring do and all of that and stuff. it was like sat- that feeling of Saturday tea time like Saturdays yeah. when you were a kid that sense of freedom even though you probably weren't doing fuck all all day yeah. the, the freedom when it came around do you know mm-hmm. what I mean Saturday evening we'd often have a tidy up early mm-hmm. afternoon um, seemed to be like a regular tidy up thing so it was all nice for Saturday yeah. night yeah, you know, make the house all nice for Saturday night. So just it got all nice, and the Hoover had been around, and the sofa, <laughs> the pillows are fucking plumped Bless on the sofa. Yeah. And then you go bang, and it's like this. <laughs> I am. Um, I've spoken before about how, and we'll get much more into this. But I obviously I used to dress up as Dick Turpin 
and he, and his mm-hmm. personal style is something that I'm looking forward to discussing in detail. But I used to dress up as Dick Turpin, and I used to get a um, broom, my mum's yeah. broom, and pretend that was the horse, Black Bess. Bess, yeah. And when I would go around the house, I would be galloping on this broom, singing that song that you just heard, listener, that we yeah. played in with. <laughs> Great opening title sequence, right? Nowadays, everything's cool and cryptic, isn't it, in an opening yeah. title sequence? Yeah. Like, they open, they like, they like a cold opening, right? And then, mm-hmm. after a little scene of sort of cryptic drama, bang, there'll be like an opening title sequence that's very arty and overproduced. This... I feel gets us straight into the heart of what's going on with Dick Turpin because it's a misty moor. Yeah. There's some cunt going along in his carriage mm-hmm. and then you just see the silhouette of fucking Turpin, the unmistakable silhouette of Turpin in his fuck-off amazing sexy cloak and hat. Yeah. Three-cornered hat. And he just fucking rides up, sticks his awesome handgun out, his pistol, yeah. and robs them. And then Robs-a-cool. it just says Dick Turpin. So the opening title sequence basically says... Here we go. This is a program about some cool cunt who rides around holding up posh fuckers for their money. Bang, exactly. you're in. And you know what as well? It was shot on film and it's, it's shot so well. Mm. And so it's so fucking it really gorgeous to look at. The director, well, at least of the first episode, was a director called Charles Crichton, who right. directed um, some of the Ealing comedies. In uh-huh. the 1950s, he, he did. I'm just looking at his. Uh, he did the Lavender Hill Mob, which is a brilliant mm. film. Um, I think that that could be diveable. I think. Um, yeah. And he did the Titfield Thunderbolt. A few others. Oh, I watched as well. that the other day. Did you? I watched that the Titfield Thunderbolt the other day because there was a. I stumbled across a thing about the history of British comedy, and it was just a BBC Two kind of race through the decades. Right. But that director was in it, and the reason he was in it is because when they got on to A Fish Called Wanda, they were going through all the big landmarks of comedy. They uh, John Cleese said he wrote A Fish Called Wanda to be just like an Ealing comedy. Mm -hmm. So when it came to finding a director, you know, the studio and whatnot wanted either him to direct it or a big name of the time or probably Terry Jones because he collaborated with him. And he said, no, I actually want to get the guy who made the Ealing comedies. And sort of pulled him out for one last job, like in a Western. Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? Because he was really old by that point. Yeah. Um, Well, he died in 1999, age 89. So that means in Fish Called Wanda, 88, he will have been 78 years of age when he directed that. (laughs) It's quite an achievement. Ridley Ridley Scott's in his 80s now, I think. Or right. at least late seventies, yeah. And that's why he has an onset cot that he sleeps he does, in he? between yeah. shots, Ridley's yeah. Cut. Because <laughs> you know, you could literally he, Ridley Scott, Ridley's cot, Ridley. Yeah, they're going to start selling it probably in Mothercare <laughs> branded <laughs> cots for the older gentleman, <laughs> for the older gentleman slash fan of the just dress lifestyle, yeah. Ridley Scott. But it, it looks so good, and you know what? There, there needs to be a Blu-ray reissue of this mm. because it's on film and they can do all the technology you know lots of stuff like um, the professionals and things like that that were shown I think the Sweeney as well that were shot on film have been yeah. upgraded to HD and put out oh. um, put out on Blu-ray I mean, this you mentioned those Blu-ray. shows of a similar era similar type I mean those two shows maybe certainly Sweeney was more adult professionals mm. would have been certainly within the same wheelhouse same era they would have run it at the same time Saturday sort of early evening 
But those shows all have, rightly, like a big cult following amongst yeah. people of our generation. Um, and I'm, I genuinely have always been surprised that Dick Turpin doesn't have the same sense of affection because it's got all of the action that we, mm. that we kind of associated with that era of TV, Saturday night TV. Mm. But also there's something about, like you say, like it's beautiful, it's shot on film. It's also the art direction. This is really, I know it sounds overblown, but it kind of puts you there. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They go, they go yeah. into that inn, you know, the, the inn near the beginning, and there's like a, there's the there's that wench who's serving the beer, and there's everyone's got big tankards, and there's literally spitting sawdust on the floor, and there's smoke everywhere, and there's noise, and it feels real, like the art direction. Real. There's it's, a huge attention to detail, like you would associate with a feature film as opposed to a exactly. TV show. And it's it's big budget as well. It's big yeah. budget. You can see, you Must clearly be, yeah. see that. There's no um, like Doctor Who at the time was quite clearly low budget and you know it was sticky back plastic and um, you know make doom with what they had budget wise but this I mean this is London Weekend Television that made this and they didn't yeah. fuck about they were only on for like two, 48 hours a week so they could just spend all their money on fucking whatever um, I mean it'd be it, you know we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it once we've wikied this and stuff but like it's um, it's interesting what you're right, they were only making a few hours of TV a couple, you know, a week. Hmm. But it was very big deal, LWT. It was huge. Yeah. And there was something about that LWT logo that when you remember it, it kind of fills you with excitement because yeah. again it's it's that Proustian rush where you sort of it makes you think it's the weekend. Hmm. It's LWT time. Mm-hmm. You know, this it is fucking things are yeah. about to get sexy. Yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. And um but like I wonder why you know, like over the years, I've, I've interviewed a lot of these TV execs from HBO and things like that, and and spoken to them about the, you know, the, the huge sort of thought and analysis that goes into the shows they make and why they make them. And of course, now Netflix is all driven by data. Yeah. What I'm fascinated by when they could only invest in a couple of big shows when they got to the late seventies, early eighties, someone pitched them a show about Dick Turpin, yeah, who. And I only learnt this years later, you know, it was a controversial figure. I mean, he's portrayed in a certain way in this show as a, as a real amazing swaggering hero and a real Robin Hood type character. But the reality was somewhat different. Oh, it was right? a lot darker, wasn't it? Yeah, he wasn't a, yeah. wasn't a Robin Hood but they've, character they've at all. Come, they've come to him and they've gone, someone's gone to fucking Sir John LWT. We want to make a program <clears> about <throat> Dick Turpin. Dick Turpin, that cunt! What next? You're going to make a film about fucking Hitler, right? You're going to make a tea. Would it have been Lou Lou Grade, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Or Michael Grade, I don't know. Feels more Michael Grade era, maybe maybe before he hit the top job. Um, I feel like we definitely need to find out more. Uh, I can't see much here on the Wikipedia page about the background of the story. Um but I'm sure we'll be able to find out. Uh, you may have forgotten this, but I remembered as I was watching it, you bought me about two years ago the Dick Turpin 1981 annual. I did, yeah. Uh, which was a wonderful gift, particularly because that was a book that I owned at the time and devoured repeatedly in the same way that we've been talking a lot recently about our childhood novelty books. 
yeah. that in the absence of the internet, you would just read like a thousand times over yeah. the course of like 10 <laughs> years. Else, Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And then you're summer holidays, oh, fuck it. I might as well read my Dick Turpin annual again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You knew every word off by heart. It looks um, as if, it looks as if, yeah, Michael Grid, because he left in 1982 and John Burt took over as head of, uh, head of director of programmes. So, uh, yeah, Golden Age and all that. But the um, Dick Turpin was, I guess, devised and, and originally written by a fellow called Richard Carpenter, who had, before that right. he'd come up with Cat Weasel. Ah. He was the man behind Cat Weasel, and he wrote for The Adventures of Black Beauty and then went on to do Robin of Sherwood a few years oh, later. Oh, wow, I mean... So there you go. Now, this, so, this guy's uh, immediately... You know, give granted gentleman of honour, human God of honour. God level TV, yeah, God man. level. Yeah. Because, you know, Cat Weasel, this is... I mean, I wouldn't quite put... For me, it's not up there with Dick Turpin. And actually, nor is Robin of Sherwood. But Robin of Sherwood very much took took the mantle in my life from Dick... From once Dick, Dick Turpin. Turpin ended, yeah. it sort of starts your way. Now, what is the thing, apart from Richard Carpenter, that links all three of these shows? I'll fucking tell you, mate. The woods. The woods. Yes. Yes. And that is what I was into. I was so into the woods. Obviously. Never underestimate the woods. Yeah. Very much like an urban childhood. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of concrete. A lot of walls. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, obviously I was privileged to have walls, wasn't I? Not everyone has that. Um, But I did used to, like, go to my grandma and granddad's house which was a little bit more rural in Hertfordshire quite regularly and there was mm. a big common and I was fucking obsessed with the woods I don't know what came first whether I was obsessed with the woods first and that's what lured me into shows like Cat Weasel, Dick Turpin and Robin Hood but I feel as if it was the other way around I feel as if these shows were all set in a time when people just fucking lived and operated yeah. without roads or addresses. There was just fucking turn left at the third fucking oak tree up there, mate. We also had um, Wurzel Gummidge, which felt very wood-centric. Yeah, Even I suppose it, that, it was kind I, of in a, a country village, but the woods surrounded it, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that there, there was a real fascination, like, as a kid, and it must still be the same. But they'd obviously cottoned on. Lou Grade, I'll tell you what chip kids want today. The little fuckers. Woods. The woods. Trees. <laughs> Trees, bushes, <laughs> earthy tracks, brambles. Making, making dens, hideouts, climbing trees, all that shit. They're all Trust me, he sat there with his braces and his massive cigar and his feet up on the desk. Trust me, I know what these fuckers want, and it's woods. Woods and forests. Lots of it. Get this out. I don't want space, and I don't want police officers. I want people in woods, unless it's woods in space, or police officers oh, operating oh, in some oh, woods. Oh, stop me there. Woods in space. What a show that would be. <laughs> well, that's Return of the Jedi, isn't it? That's why when I Return of the Jedi is, yeah. came out in about 1983, I was like, I remember seeing the trailer for it and being... Fucking hell. Yeah, I thought Star Wars couldn't be any better. They've gone and set this one in a fucking forest in yeah. space. And it's got teddy bears in it as well. <laughs> but they're Mate, really small anything kids. set in a forest is fucking brilliant. Yeah. The problem is now is if they set a show in a forest, it's likely to be one of these Scandinavian shows where it's all very dark and moody. Unfortunately. Gothic. Yeah. 
Whereas these ones, they showed forests to be happy, sunny places. Yeah. You know? And I, I yeah. still feel that way. I, I love walking in woods and amongst trees. It's good, isn't it? It's good oh, it's for the, the best. good for the soul. The and it takes a, you know what else? It takes away your ego, right? Mm. Your dangerous ego. Because when you're walking through a load of trees, you've fucking been there, done that. They've been stood there for fucking the years. Through hell and high water, you know. Think of the amount of recessions trees your average fucking oak tree's been through. Doesn't yeah. give a fuck. It's still there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Pandemic, again. Yeah, seen a few of them. Done a it. tree. Storm. Yeah, a couple of my mates got blown over, but that's what happens in storms. I'm still here. Yeah, we yeah. like bird flu. All of that, yeah. Foot and mouth. And it makes you... And if you're wandering around worrying about some bullshit, like someone's annoyed you at work, mm. or you've had a row with the missus... Or your stupid or football team isn't doing very well. Your, your team is shit, or any of the other shit... You look at a tree, and a tree is literally rolling its eyes at you, going, yeah. mate, try being a fucking tree. Yeah. These little problems that you're fixating on, fucking trivialities. Bullshit. Mm. Yeah. Right. Um, have we got any more introductory stuff before we get into the episode itself? No, let's get into the episode. All right, we're looking at episode one from season one. A lot of these are on YouTube that we'll cover. They're not all on YouTube. We might have to sneakily put some more on there ourselves or put them on yeah. the Daily Motion or something like that in order to do this properly because mm. there's 26 episodes, I think, altogether across four series. Uh, DVD of it's still available if you want to get it. Oh, hang on. This door. The seven-inch single was released of the theme tune. <laughs> of the theme tune? <laughs> yeah. It's a good fucking wow. theme tune, mate. Oh, I'm a bit of discogs after we finish recording this. <laughs> seven-inch single of Dick Tepper. B-side called Belinda. Oh. Um, Maybe that's his uh, this Doris that he's got in the bar. We'll get onto her. Um, so, first episode is called Swift Nick, and we'll just look mm. at the description of it on IMDb, uh, where it's been given six point nine out of ten, which is Psh, a joke. Fucking, uh, yeah, exactly. Fuck off. Um, yeah. It's at least a nine. Um, so it's, it tells us that Mary Smith, owner of the Black Swan Inn, is in debt to Sir John Glutton. Her son Nicholas tries to gather together the money by taking up the guise of the infamous highwayman Dick Turpin. Mm. Uh, unfortunately for him, his first victim turns out to be the actual Turpin. We'll have a little mm. bit of a look uh, into what happens there. Now, <clears throat> we've got the the inn, the Black Swan Inn, which still exists in York. Yeah. Uh, I've looked it up. still there. You can stay overnight. Oh, um, I'm fucking doing that. We might have to do that. <laughs> we'll do a, um, We'll do one of those walking tours. <laughs> York and Dick Turpin walking tour. We'll walk. Well, from the when pub. we used to talk about Dick Turpin more, there was a period where I think this this podcast became maybe around 2019. It was there was a pretty long stretch where it was 75 to 80 percent Dick Turpin it, it content. To Turpin. It did, yeah. And we got sent all the time emails and tweets from people with all sorts of Turpin, you know, history yeah. or places or items. Like mm. there was a, someone sent me once a Dick Turpin teapot and the teapot, I think, was in the shape of the black swan. And uh, so, um, you know, it's very kind of the compass to send all that stuff through. What I noticed, though, was that there was a huge amount of... Um, disagreement about Turpin history, right? <laughs> like, because everyone's like, this is the place where Turpin was hung, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you're the third cunt who sent me that this week. 
But each time it's from a completely <laughs> a different, different fucking part of the country. Everyone wants to fucking say that was where Turpin was hung. But we get some insight in this em- in this episode as to why that might be the case, don't we? We do. We do. Um, I'm just looking at my notes that I've got here. So we've we've got the, the Black Swan in, which the first, the opening scene is set in there. And like you said, it's, it's lavish. There's all you sorts be going there, don't on. You? It, oh, you can you can almost smell the place. You can um, almost taste the mead. Yeah, and Spiker comes in, who is played by the guy who was Harry in Boone a few years later. Um, he immediately establishes himself within the first seconds of the first episode <laughs> as the cunt. That's the cunt of, of the, the show. Yeah. Well, well, there's, there's there's two cunts, isn't there? There's an even, his boss is an even bigger cunt, arguably, but we'll get to that. But he comes in and he's trying to find Turpin. He thinks they're hiding him out in there uh, and he, he tells them that um, they owe him money for rent, which uh, he's just the, he's just the fucking um, lieutenant of the man who, who yeah. takes the money, who we see in the yeah. next scene, which is Sir John Glutton. Who, <laughs> Brilliant character name. Oh, you just imagine God, yes. this Richard Carpenter bloke sitting there writing this, and he's yeah. like, "Right, let's introduce the fucking real baddie. What should we call him? <laughs> Sir John, obviously. Sir John. Um, yeah. Glutton. Yeah, that'll do. That fucking pretty much sets him out. I'll I'll tell you what. I'll just call him Sir John Glutton. I'll put Glutton as a placeholder. I'll think of something better later on. <laughs> but no, there was nothing better. He was nah. Sir John Glutton. We brainstormed it, and he couldn't get better than Sir John Glutton. And he was played by Christopher Benjamin. Um, it was one of those faces you just recognise from so many things. It's like yeah. a supporting actor in so many things, but I can't remember anything else that he will have been in. But uh, this is arguably his greatest role. So we see Sir John Glutton, um, and uh, they, they have a conversation, him and, him and Spiker, about Turpin. And um, he, Sir, Sir John says that... Uh, Turpin's dead. He insists that Turpin's dead. Turpin's um, dead, Spiker. Um, He's been living in your head rent-free, you cunt. Well, he says something, he says something similar to that to Spiker. Yeah. He says, you can't get him out of your guts, can you, Spiker? <laughs> <laughs> you can't get <laughs> and him it's out of true. your guts. That's literally what's happening. Spiker, yeah. we established, has been hunting Turpin. Yeah. for fucking ages and Turpin's yeah. been giving him the runaround and then news has come through that Turpin has been caught and hung and Spiker just won't have it because he just he's, he's built his life around hunting Dick Turpin so without Dick Turpin what is Spiker? Who is Spiker? And Glutton sees that doesn't he? He's like listen mate you've mm. lost your fucking nut over this Turpin bloke you, yeah. you want to give it up? He goes to him no more hunting ghosts Spiker that's right, yeah. But Glutton sat there and his his uh his desk is fucking magnificent. He sat there, he's got candles on it in a candlestick, he's got a big bowl of fruit there, he's got his quill, he's writing with his quill pen, and he's got his big powdered wig on. He's got his big fucking wig. wig. And he's a, just a disgusting bastard. Um and he's probably my favourite character in this already. Um yeah. So he tells Spike to get rid of Mary, who is the landlady of the, the pub. Jalapeño. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jalapeño. Then we have the scene where um, we see Dick for the first time, and we think mm. we see Dick carrying out a robbery. And he's ro- he's robbing yeah. this this fellow who thinks wearing spectacles, um, and uh, a bookish sit- sort of, but, but yeah. he looks like a cleric, doesn't he? Yeah, he he's just wandering through got. the woods again. Yeah, he says the money that he's got belongs to his master, and he's delivering it, and he's he's yeah. loath to give it up. And he says, "Can we make it look as if there's been a struggle? Um, yeah. How about shooting a couple of holes in me hat to make it look like I've put up a fight?" And mm. Dick Turpin, inverted commas, agrees to this, jumps down off his horse, they put the hat on the ground, and he shoots two holes in the hat. And just as he does this, the real Dick Turpin, for it is he, puts his pistol against the side of the head of this robber, yeah. this imposter, and um, turns the tables on him. And it's it's Nick, who is the son of uh, Mary from the Black Swan Inn, because he's robbing money to try and... Um, the rent to keep keep because they're being evicted because we've just seen in the yeah. last scene that like Glatton wants I think he, what's she called again the woman Mary he goes uh, Mary and and that brat that brat of yeah. hers which yes. is referring to Nick aka Swift Nick and so they're desperate yeah. he's desperate to throw them out and Spike has gone to him, but what if they pay he goes highly unlikely but if they do let them stay I'll just raise the rent again. <laughs> And Spiker really right, laughs yeah. at that. And this scene is such a well-written scene because it really quickly establishes them in as few words as possible as, mm. like, massive cunts. So yeah. straight away, you're, you've invested in this show emotionally because you're like, yeah. we haven't met Dick Turpin yet, but if these are his enemies, I'm fucking bang on his side because I mean, these people yeah. are the... They're the pits. They're the yeah. absolute fucking pits, aren't they? Absolutely. So um, Dick um, takes pity on, on Nick. I've called him... I don't, no, I didn't call him Swift Nick. That's the name of the episode. He takes pity on Nick and he gives him the money. He lets him go with the money, which is going to get um, handed over to 
for um, yeah. Mary, but it turns out he's got history with Mary, as we find out oh, later yeah. on. So, yeah. he, you know, he's doing a good deed there. Um, so then, shortly afterwards, Spiker comes back to evict Mary. And he, he delivers the line, Take your movables and get out! <laughs> your your movables! <laughs> got any movables in here? <laughs> yeah, we'll get them fucking moving then. <laughs> <laughs> he relishes it, Spiker, doesn't he? I mean, all he, yeah. all Spiker is, is he's hired muscle. He's a yeah. fucking lick spittle to Sir exactly. John Glutton. Yeah. But he relishes his job. He mm. loves it. He does it for pleasure. He's the sort of cunt who'd say, even if they didn't pay me, I'd like doing this. Because what I like is fucking with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love evicting people. I hate poor people. And I love to sort of destroy their lives. That's basically and it. He's a cunt. He's... he's He's loving every moment. Yeah. He's he's sort of like Pretty Patel or something like that, isn't he? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so he's going to try and evict Mary and she turns the tables on him and she gives him the 20 guineas, which he wasn't expecting. So she gets to stay. Um, and then uh, Spiker takes the money and goes outside and hands it over to Glutton, who's outside the pub in his carriage. Which is really <laughs> funny. He's waiting right there. I mean, yeah. glut, that, that's a bit that re- I laughed out loud at that bit because my attitude was, right, we've established that Glutton is super rich. He is, like, mad yeah. rich. He lives in a palace. He's surrounded by fucking largesse and decadence all the time. And he does this, obviously, by basically, um, what do you call it, uh, racketeering or... No, what do you call it mm. when you basically put... He's, he's got a racket going on, protection racket, more or less. Yeah. And he's got loads of people like this, Mary. She's just one of many different people yeah, he's, he's exploiting he's a bastard for money. landlord, isn't he? He's a bastard yeah. landlord. And, and so yeah. the, the impression that you have is that what he does is he sits around in his fucking palace enjoying the trappings of his ill-gotten gains and he sends Spiker out to collect it. But in this particular case, Sir John is obviously needs some cash fast. I don't know whether he's heading to the races or what because he said, are you collecting that money today from mm. the Black Swan? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'll come down. Yeah. Maybe it's because he doesn't think she's going to be and he wants to actually watch her being thrown out. But it's strange that he's actually turned up and waited outside, isn't it? That's true. So he does and then uh, he goes off and um, Dick then follows him. Doesn't he? There's a bit of a, a bit of a set to and then Dick heads off after him because Dick wants to retrieve... That twenty guineas. That's the old plan. He goes, "I'll have that money back." I'll have once that money. He says, "Yeah, to, 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 yeah. to help." Um, Nick shouts, "Spiker's coming!" And Dick shouts, "To help the Spiker, I want my money back." And then there's 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 a horse chase, which is Fuck brilliant it. to watch. I mean, we're only like we're not fifteen minutes into this show, so <laughs> what we're trying to say is this is why this show is so great because you you know you're a kid, you're seven years old, right? You sat, you've just done a big tidy up. The living room's all nice. You're watching this show, and within 15 minutes of episode one, you've already had robberies, right? You've had double crossing. These you've had you've had Sir John Glutton laughing about evicting people, right? And now you've got a fucking horse chase across Stanmore Common. Absolutely incredible. The horse chase is brilliant. I love it. And, and they, um, they put the music back in for the horse chase, don't yeah. they? They'd like to bring the theme tune in quite regularly. They're getting yeah. their money's worth out of it. On oh, another bit of Glutton in his carriage, I've just remembered. Glutton's in his carriage and he's kind of lying back on the seat in his carriage with his fingers <laughs> crossed over each other, over his fat belly, just looking <laughs> fucking pleased with himself. It's great. 
<laughs> He's like this. I'm fucking going down in my massive carriage. And either way, I'm going to have a great day. Because either I'm going to get to see this woman and her little brat evicted, which will be fucking brilliant. Or the worst case scenario is I get 20 guineas. I get 20 the money guineas. they fucking owe me. So yeah. either way, it's going to be a great day. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, Dick Dick robs them and gets his money back, doesn't he? Um, I'm trying to remember what happens, happens after that. Well, it's, but it's ca- funny. He goes, and your rings to... I mean, the rings. good thing about Dick Turpin yeah. is he's like, straight away I can see why I was drawn to him. Because, you know, like, it, it, there's a lot of Robin Hood in this character. It's like they've taken a historical figure, Dick Turpin, who actually was a, you know, people would... Most of the history books suggest he was just actually... A, a not very nice villain who robbed Rich and Paul mm. was just out for himself. What they've done is they've taken the idea of this highwayman, right? And uh, from like the 17th century, 18th century, and they've gone, what if we kind of took him, but applied the personality and the MO of Robin Hood? Robin to Hood. Him? And that, yeah. that's basically what they've done, right? And to be honest, Sir John is like Sheriff of Nottingham. But these characters feel more raw and authentic because your idea of Robin Hood until this point was either that fucking fox in the Disney one mm. or Errol Flynn going, you know, oh God, or fucking, you know, being very heroic and over the top. Yeah. Whereas he's a little bit of a geezer, this Dick Turpin. He, he, he holds him up and he's like, he's world weary. He's not the whole time about being upbeat and, and funny and charismatic. He's world weary. He's living the life he's living out of necessity, not desire, right? I always thought Robin Hood was a bit of a bleeding heart. Well, he was. He was a posh boy who went a bit bleeding heart socialist and started mm. kind of hanging out in the woods like a hippie, like fucking swampy. Dick Turpin, as we're about to find out, has been driven to the life he's leading and he's not happy about it. He's world weary. He's doing it because he has to. And I get that sense in this scene because he gets the money off of Sir John and then he goes to him and the rings too. Yeah, he yeah. says it like that, doesn't he? Yeah. Whereas a traditional Robin Hood, and uh, by God, I'll have your rings as well. <laughs> yeah. he, just goes, he goes like this, and the rings too. Yeah. Come on. He's like he's a character in the Sweeney. And so John says, my rings, by heaven. And he goes, by heaven, you sure they'll let you in? That was it, yeah. A little bit of banter. A little bit of banter. I like that. Gets the rings. So John's particularly fucked off about that. When Spiker turns up, he's furious that Spiker has allowed this to happen. And he says, Spiker, your ninny. He's had my, what's he say? He's had my enormous gem or something like that. He's very specific about what rocket is that he's had off of him. Yeah. I'll have you hung, Spiker. That's the thing. There's loads of hanging threats throughout this whole thing. So much hanging threats. Everyone's just getting threatened with being hung left, right and centre. And yeah. you see the gallows as well on the closing titles. So yeah. there's no... Because that's what it's all about. The whole show is up. about that, that Dick wouldn't appear trying to a, escape the gallows. What is essentially a kid's show. That wouldn't happen on a kid's show anymore, would it? The threat of being... No, they, they don't like talking about hanging different in, times. in any shows anymore. No. Um, so then um, Nick gets captured and he's going to be tried and probably hung the day after. Um, and then we see the scene in the inn with uh, Dick Turpin and Mary, which where we get the mm. backstory. Well, again, he's really yeah, we well-weary. Yeah, he? this is like they slow the pace down a bit mm. 
and they, you know, who is Dictopin? What's happening? Who is this mad cunt who just rides around robbing people? What's going on? And it's a mm. great scene, isn't it? It is. And he, he talks about he'd, he'd been away fighting for England and Sir John for Glutton. Freedom. Had, yeah, Sir John Glutton had taken. Here he goes, like, freedom. Huh. And Sir John <laughs> Glutton had taken his farm while he was away and his parents starved to had death. Starved to death. I mean, that's pretty dramatic. Yeah. When he was gone, Sir John let his parents starve to death. Where are my mum and dad? I've just got back from fighting in a war for years because they used to have to fight in wars for years back then, yeah. didn't they? I go, I've just got back. Where's my mum and dad? They're dead. How? What? How come? <laughs> what happened? You know, Sir John, yeah, he nicked your home and your farm and then they starved to death because <laughs> they, they had no means of income. What? They just died. Yeah, they just got yeah, so hungry that they dropped dead yeah. and he, he didn't care. He just had your farm. Fucking hell. So what, what's that line? You just said it when we were talking about this before we, we said, started recording. So he says, he said, it's very, it's very, it's a very poignant scene. And he says to Mary, one day I'll, I'll be ready. And he goes, what? He goes, I will ruin Sir John and all of them. He goes, he goes, I'll destroy them like water dripping on a stone. Fuck. And then you're like, they're not fucking about it. This isn't just fucking horse chases and sword fights. This is a seriously written piece of drama. In it. In written it just... by a man in Richard Carpenter, who is very much in his imperial face. It's imperial Carpenter, yeah. I mean, I'll say, like I'll say water, this. I'll destroy them like water dripping on a stone. Like, As... fucking hell, Dick Turpin. And literally, when he says that, I'm like this. Fucking God, Dick Turpin! You're well on his side 20 minutes as, into the show. As an opening episode of any TV series I've ever seen, this is up there with the very yeah. best. It's, it's perfection, this episode. Yeah. really yeah. is. Yeah. So and then, we haven't even had a sword fight yet. We, we're getting to that. So then Dick yeah. is lying in the road, uh, pretending to be ill. And what he's doing is he needs to get into Rookham Hall, which is where Glutton lives, which is where Nick has been uh, captured and is going to be tried the next day. So Dick ambushes a doctor. How he knows there's a doctor going to come along, I don't know. Let's not worry about that. So he ambushes this doctor who calls to help him, wrestles him to the ground, then he ties him to the tree, nicks his wig and his hat and his case. He has a look through his case to see what's in there. Um, and just leaves the doctor... Have you got any good drugs? Leaves, leaves, yeah, Leave the doctor tied up and, and gagged, going... <laughs> As doctors do. Yeah. And um, off he goes to Rookham Hall, uh, where he returns one of Glutton's rings to him. But uh, mm. obviously Dick is now pretending to be a Scottish doctor with an incredibly <laughs> improbable Scottish accent. <laughs> and he tells him that the ring uh, has been salvaged from uh, the mother of someone um, and that she died of the plague and that her son probably also has the plague as well. When he says that she had the plague, Glutton just drops the ring. Plague <laughs> ring! <laughs> There's plague on my ring! Spiker! Yeah. <laughs> so he, Glutton realises that the boy who he's got captured is the boy who possibly has the plague. And, uh, uh, Turpin persuades him to release him in his Scottish accent and um, they go down to the cellar where Nick has been held uh, Glutton won't go down himself he sends one of his lackeys to go down to the cellar he doesn't want to go anywhere near this plague boy um, and uh, Dick gives him a, a goblet of wine to enjoy 
which obviously has been poisoned. Uh, (laughs) uh, By this time, the Doctor has been found. Spiker comes across him. Spiker realises what's going on and heads to Rookham Hall to confront uh, Dick. And uh, Dick, by this point, has released Nick and they're trying to make their escape when (laughs) Spiker appears with his sword to apprehend Dick and Nick and uh, a fight begins and it begins with Dick pulling off his wig that he nicked from the doctor and throwing it into Spiker's face. (laughs) (laughs) Have that cunt. He's like, oh, wig, no! (laughs) I'm blind! Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sword fight commences. Sword fight, you know, we've had a horse chase. Now we've got a sword fight. More sword fights in TV, please. Definitely not enough yeah. of that going on these days. This is um, fucking swashbuckling at its best. Spiker says to uh, to Dick, the sword is a gentleman's weapon, to which Dick replies, then why are you using it? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, the, sword fight, the sword fight's great to watch. Brilliantly choreographed. Um... And that goes on for a couple of minutes, and then Richard uh, O'Sullivan's very much in his imperial face here, isn't oh he? I mean, God, yeah, he's done he's done a lot of sort of saucy comedy and whatnot at this stage. So, I, probably quite on the face of it, quite improbable casting. Aside from the fact that he was probably one of TV's biggest stars, yeah. But you know, really, it's kind of like is he an action hero? What have we seen him do in this vein before? I can't think of anything, and but they've just, gone all right. He was always quite laconic, wasn't he? As um, as yeah. Robin in Man About the House, he was he was a, a sexist pig, and yeah. then he, he got yeah. softened a bit in Robin's Nest. But he was doing Robin's Nest at the same time as he was doing Dick Turpin. They overlap. That's amazing. So That's on absolutely a Saturday amazing. Evening, you'll get him doing yeah. Dick Turpin. Then, like on a Wednesday at seven p.m. Yeah. or whatever, Robin's Nest. Double O'Sullivan. Imperial O'Sullivan. I, it probably brought me to watch Robin's Nest more than I would have done. Because on the yeah. face of it, uh, uh, you know, a couple and a one-armed Irishman running a bistro, <laughs> it was not sort of really aimed at me when I was six or seven I years old. Oh, what's not the love? But I probably would have watched it more. I, I think I watched it more because I was aware Dick Turpin was in it. Yeah, yeah. And when you're a kid, you're still trying to get your head around the fact that the same actor can be in two different it can things. Be two anyway. different people. Yeah. yeah. It's on the Wikipedia page of Turpin. It says that there's an episode of series five of Robin's Nest where uh, Robin climbs onto a rocking horse and says, well, which way now, Bess? So there's a little uh, nod to Turpin. Mm, little nod to the oh, Euro Sullivan fans. Crossover now, stuff. I remember I found out that O'Sullivan, or we found out that O'Sullivan was in a retirement home for actors, for thespians, yeah. not far from my, where I live. And I wanted to go and speak to him, and you told me not to. Yeah. You... You, st- t- you said no, leave him alone, I think was your words. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Um, well, from, from but now gather, we're talking about him and I'm yeah. getting stirred up again like I want to go and well, see him. from what I can gather, he had quite a bad stroke some years ago. So I don't know whether he's in a position to be hey, it might make his It might make his day if I turn up. It might do. Well, look, look into it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. Well, I kind of am, but, you know. <laughs> I really want to so badly. You I mean, I don't know if, that, if he's lost his marbles, he won't remember anything. So he'll be, he'll be of no marbles. use to me. He might, he might be, you know, mentally agile, but because of the stroke, physically, he, he can't might not speak. Be. Well, 
we we could find a way. I mean, like my granddad, he he lived for three years after his stroke, and he was. I mean, it was a nightmare. He couldn't fucking. I don't. I still don't know whether or not he, he whether he'd lost his marbles or not. You literally can't tell. Mm. You th- you're thinking. I hope he has, because yeah. if he hasn't, this would be hell. Yeah, locked in, trapped inside a a body mm. that doesn't work anymore, but the mind still yeah. does. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, let's not dwell on that too much. So there's the sword fight. And Spiker's lackeys, they turn up with guns, uh, which they point at Dick. But then Dick overcomes Spiker and holds his sword to Spiker's throat. And he says something like, uh, tell them to put down their guns or I'll I'll make a mark across your Adam's apple or something like that. Or slice your Adam's apple. Something like that. So Spiker has to. Um, Dick would obviously be shot. (laughs) but then Spiker will be dead as well. So Spiker's self-preservation kicks in and Dick escapes with Nick um, and Nick's nicked off outside while this fight's been going on. So they both escape. Spiker comes after them, but as he tries to jump on his horse, he falls off onto the ground because Nick has loosened Spiker's saddle. Saddle player. (laughs) Saddle shenanigans. And there'll be more of that, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. And off they go, and um, and then Dick agrees to take Nick on, which is what Mary had said. I forgot to mention this. Mary had suggested that uh, Dick allows Nick to ride with him, um, and uh, Dick wasn't having any of it. But then he, he agrees. Yeah, she's this. like, look, me and you've got a, a history. We've, we've given the impression it's probably sexual. Oh, very sexy. And it, and it's like and she is obviously extremely sexy because she is a buxom wench who works in an inn. Bu- took the words out of my mouth there, buxom wench. Yeah. yeah. She reminds me of what's her name from um, from Oliver Twist. You know, very much in that vein. Yeah, or Mrs. Miggins from um, Black yeah, Hedder, yeah, the third, yeah, but much sexier. Yeah. But anyway, she's uh, she's she's basically said, look, we've. We've done. I've done things to you and for you, Dick. And, on you. and now, <laughs> my son Nick is, and you have done things on me. And the, and now my son Nick is really, he's fucking up shit creek. He's he going to get hung. He needs a job. And can you take him on as your apprentice robber? <laughs> <laughs> and that's and how Dick things does. get done, mate. And Dick does. And then Dick uh, gives him the name Swift Nick. Which is the name of a, a, a former robber? He, he explains a former uh, legendary robber, uh, and he gives him that name. So that's his new. And that's he his becomes like name. basically he becomes Robin to to Dick Turpin's Batman. Dick Turpin's Batman, yeah. And, and I loved Swift Nick for that reason. I think maybe I even preferred him because he was the the youngster, so mm. it sort of appealed to you. Sort of could relate to me. Yeah, more. exactly. Yeah. The other thing, with you mentioning saddle play there, that this makes me think of and what, you know, Michael Gray might have seen there, is it's basically like an English Western, a British yeah. Western. Yeah. Isn't it? It's like, these guys are like cowboys, right down to the hats. You know, mm. they've got big hats like cowboys wear. Yeah, um, it's good guys, bad guys. Un- but unlike cowboys, what they have on top of the guns is swords. And that was the other thing that appealed to me, because you could watch a film about pirates, even if pirates are cool, they've got swords. Robin Hood's cool, he's got swords. Yeah. And then you think cowboys are cool and soldiers are cool in war films because they've got guns. But Dick Turpin is fucking double threat. He's got a gun and a sword. And a sword. And a horse. So it's yeah. like an amalgam of pirates, cowboys, Robin Hood, the fucking lot. Yeah. 
and they say that they, they, where they're going to go, they're going to go away from here. So they ride off, and I yeah. don't know where they're headed to, but they're not sticking around. They live but, where they um, want, mate, don't they? But I mean, they are going to stick around, I guess, because Spiker and Sir John Glutton are always going to be on their, well, on they, their they, tail. You know, he, he's synonymous with lots of different places. Like, not far from here, there's um things called Tibbetts Corner, where some people say he was hung. There's obviously the Black Swans in York. But this, as I remember, was set around Stanmore Common. That's where they said it was. Right. Which was fascinating to me because my dad told my dad grew up in Stanmore. And he goes, Stanmore, that's where I'm from. And I could not get my head around that when I was a kid. Because I'd think like this. So you lived in the woods. Of course, Stanmore is just like a (laughs) North London suburb. I'd be like, you grew up in the woods, Dad? (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it's not quite like that when I was living there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know I don't know where it's kind of set but we'll um, it's set in all of our hearts really so off the so head, much more to discover so uh, exciting go out uh, and get it for fuck's that's sake that's episode one have a look on YouTube episode two comes next week it's called The Capture um, and Dick thinks Swift Nick isn't cutting it as a highwayman and bribes Tanner the gunsmith into taking him as an apprentice Glutton and Spiker have come up with a plan to use an actress called Jane Kelsey, whose main claim to fame is a performance as Cleopatra. Oh. And they're going to use her to lure Turpin into a trap, which I imagine will be a sex trap. <laughs> well, there's a sex trap for him, Spiker. <laughs> it's his one weakness. <laughs> That's coming up next week. Have a look at it on YouTube in advance if you want to. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.